Hey fellas, this is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees analysis than by tuning into this podcast right here, right now. All right. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Rob Carbone here, coming at you on a Wednesday night, August 14th, a little past 11 p.m. here. Um, It's been a hot week. Said it was going to rain. Never did, so we just got that humidity shit. Um, Yeah, I've been busy. I actually didn't catch... I didn't... I wasn't able to catch today's game. Um, No, I planned on watching the recorded version. I DVR'd it, but... Got home from work, picked up my phone, and, you know, I have the notifications on, so I see the score right there. I mean, they won. I don't care. Saw the highlights. Still wrote the recap. But, yeah, one of the rare games I'll miss this season. I think you can count it all up, all up together, and I probably missed about seven, maybe less. Probably less, actually. But, yeah, no, Yanks <laughs> swept the Orioles once again. I think now that made 16 in a row against them, which is hilarious because they want 17 and two against them on the season. So that was the last series we saw them, unfortunately, but kind of fortunately because it was kind of tiring just facing a a minor league ball club. And I don't say that as a joke. The Orioles are a minor league ball club. Um, I think John Heyman tweeted out yesterday, last night, they don't belong on the field with the New York Yankees. I mean, it's simple, but it's so true. They don't belong on the field. They don't belong on the field with most contenders, but seeing them play the Yankees, it's just, it's a hard watch, even as a Yankee fan, because uh, you're sitting here and it's like, how much weight can you put into these games? So before I go over everything and review it all, just remember, none of the stuff I say has much weight None of the compliments I give will have much weight. And I'll remind you that as I go along. Because, man, it's the Orioles, and they are just pathetic. They're on pace to lose well, well, well over 100 games. Sorry. They're on pace to lose well over 100 games for the, you know, second, third season in a row, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, they suck. We know that, though. Um, Yeah, so game one, the Yanks come out of the gate. Firing. Um, it was the first game of the, of the day-night doubleheader. Glaber Torres hits a home run, and that's just the start of things. Glaber hits the home run. Who else? Uh, Geo had a home run. Geo had three hits that game. I don't like to recap these games like specifically because I already do in my blogs, and you guys probably watch the game, so it's kind of tiring for me to recap them. You know, play by play. I'll just give you some, you know, some highlights of it. But yeah, Glaber a home run. Urshela, three more hits in a home run. Paxton, now, <laughs> Paxton had a quality start. It was the bare minimum of a quality start. He won six innings, three runs, but that did make three consecutive quality starts for him and six of his last eight quality starts for him. So if that, you know, if you want to look, we're looking for consistency from him, remember, because the Yankees acquired this guy to be their, their ace. To be, you know, a number one, number two front line starter 
So maybe there are some positive signs in that. Now, note that his last two outings came against Baltimore. So, like I said, it's hard to put too much weight on that. But if you go back to six of his last eight, he's had some pretty good outings against some pretty decent teams. So they're going to need packs down the stretch to keep doing his thing. And now, if you've noticed, when he throws his curveball, man, that sequence when he throws his curve and his fastball, that's a great you know one-two punch for him right there. I think he's discovered something in throwing that curve more often. I don't have the statistics on it, but I think he's been throwing. I definitely, I've noticed he's been much more effective because he's been throwing that curve a lot. So it's something to keep an eye on as we go along. But yeah, Yanks win game one, eight to five. Game two, the nightcap. Glaber hits two more home runs. Um, wow. <laughs> Gary Thorne, the uh, announcer, the play-by-play guy for Baltimore. Uh, he lost his mind. <laughs> he lost his mind because Glaber's been doing this to the Orioles all season long. He hits two more homers against them to make it three on the day and uh, 13 against them. 13 on the season. Okay. The Yankees played the Orioles 19 uh, 19 times this year, but Glaber didn't even play in all 19 of those games. So I think he's played in 16, 17 after today. So he has 13 home runs against them in 17 games. Are you kidding me? And Gary Thorne's in the booth going berserk. That second homer, Paul O'Neill actually left the Yankee yes booth and, uh, you know, when I bombarded Thorne, it was pretty funny. Um, but it was it was insane, man. And I do want to get one thing straight, okay? <laughs> Glaber Torres may kill the Orioles, but let's not make that a bad thing, okay? He's, you know, everyone's calling him, oh, Glaber, the Oriole killer. I, I It kind of bugs me in a way because he's not just an Oriole. He's been doing this against everybody. Now, I know half of his powers came against the Orioles, but... I mean, it's not like he's been bad against every other team. And that's the problem with that stat they keep showing us. His numbers versus the O's versus, quote-unquote, rest of MLB. That's annoying because it kind of skews his numbers versus specific teams. It doesn't really give you a whole, you know what I mean, a whole look at how he's been versus this and that team. He's been good versus many teams this year. So I just want to get that out of the way. And this kid's, you know, he's legit. I say it all the time in the blog. Say it all the time in the podcast, Facebook, Twitter, wherever. I always say that Torres, I've always said this. This guy, this Glaber Torres kid is the face of the Yankees. Okay, Aaron Judge may be, you know, the popular one. He may be the face of the Yankees too, but Glaber Torres will be their future superstar. He will be the best player on this team in maybe one, one or two years. He will be the best player. Okay, he's got that talent. He's got legit power now. Okay, we didn't think he had that power in the minors. Well, he's shown he has that power. He's actually on his way to a 30-30 season. 26 homers, 20 doubles after today. So he's on his way to a 30-30 season with homers and doubles. He's got power, man. He's also got contact. He's cut the strikeouts down, and I expect him to continue to do that as he develops. It's a youth thing to chase, but he's, he's chased less this year. He's got the power. He's got the contact. So he's gonna. He's probably going to be a 300 hitter. 
He reminds me so much of uh, Manny Machado, ironically enough. But yeah, where he's got that contact bat who can hit for power, spray the ball around, um, plays good defense, has the tools to play good defense, has a great arm, is versatile around the infield just like Machado is. They kind of have their, you know, they're both right-handed bats. They kind of have their similarities. Um, And yeah, man, I'm telling you, this kid's legit. He's going to be around for a while, and the Yankees better not get rid of him. And I don't think they plan to. they got to lock him up. So he hits the two home runs in game two to make it three on the day. Uh, Who else has a big game? Gio had three more hits that game. Brett Gardner hits a... Brett Gardner actually started things off. Um, in the first sitting with a, with an RBI triple. And, I mean, I have to give credit to Brett Gardner this year because I gave him a lot of shit. Well, I gave Brian Cashman a lot of shit specifically, you know, heading into the season where he re-signed Brett Gardner almost immediately for, what was it, $8 million, $9 million plus the bonus. And I didn't like it. Um, no, at the time he was coming off a down year, one of the worst seasons of his career, but you look up and he's bounced back and not only has he bounced back, but he went from having the worst season of his career to probably the best season of his career. Statistically, he's still playing great defense. His average is up to respectability. His on base is respectable. He's got the power. The power has been back. He's been really good. And even, you know, the overrated veteran leadership thing, it's it's still a thing. As much as I think it's overrated, it's still a thing. And he's brought that this year in the clubhouse. So I got to give my credit right now. Of course, he has to keep producing because Brett Gardner does this every year in the second half. He collapses. But right now, he's been good. And we're in August 14th right now. So... He's got to keep it up for this last month and a half. And please hit in the postseason this time around. Okay. We won't even get to that, though. I want to credit him. That's all I want to do right now. <laughs> but, yeah, no, game two. The Yanks win that eight, uh, 11 to 8. I think they used the opener that game. Don't care about that shit. Move on. Game three, they took the 8 to 3 victory. DJ LeMahieu actually started things off in the first inning. With a first pitch home run. He pulled it to left. Um, Guy's been spectacular. That was his 19th of the year. He didn't play today. But yesterday he hits his 19th. He started things off. Mabin hits a two run single. Um, What else? So they hit parade. And the uh, fourth inning was great. You know you had the Talkman walk. Romine singled. Judge hit a double. Um, Gary. uh, No. Geo singled. Then Gary doubled. It was a big hit parade in the fourth. Love when they do that shit. But the real the real talk of game three was it was Domingo Herman. This guy's been doing it all year. He tossed another seven innings. He allowed just two runs, five hits, seven strikeouts. I think he walked one batter, maybe. He was just unbelievable. He and he's been so good all year. And the thing with Herman. He's not only is he sixteen and two, but it's not just it's not like the bats have bailed him out. That's a legit sixteen and two record. 
Now, the ERA may not say so at 395 or something like that, but that's kind of the problem with just, like, reading off of stats. If you actually watch him pitch this season and look at his game log, look at his game-by-game performances, he's been so good outside of two bad starts. That's it. That's all it's been. Two very, very bad starts. When he gave up seven runs to KC and eight runs to Minnesota. That was it. Two very bad starts. But outside of that man, in his 20 starts this season, 18 of them he's allowed four runs or less. Four runs or less in 18 of his 20 starts. The kid has been a rock. He's been their only consistent starting pitcher this season. Okay? So his ERA isn't like everybody else's. It's not just because he's been up and down. You have to you actually you have to watch these games sometimes. He's been so good. Don't let that ERA uh, fool you. Now, the thing that does worry about me, worry me about Herman He's given up 25 homers this year. Yeah, that's that's not a good number. Definitely not a good number from your number one starter. Um, that does worry me, especially when we get when we're gonna get into the playoffs. Now the innings limit, the Yankees will figure that out. Hopefully they rest. You know, I hate the I hate the thing in general, but if they're gonna do it, hopefully they give him rest before playoff time and they just let him go nuts in the playoffs. That's what they really need to do. But about the home runs, it does worry me having 25 allowed this season. And um, I mean, he hasn't. He also hasn't faced the Astros yet. I'm pretty sure he hasn't seen Houston once. So that you know, those two things combined is a little scary to me. It does worry me some. But I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. You know how it turns out. Just something to keep in mind, though, is all. And, uh, yeah, game four, I didn't get to see it. Like I said, I was at work. Sorry, I have a life at uh, 1 p.m. in the middle of a work week. uh, In the middle of a work day. Honestly, a Wednesday game, a Wednesday afternoon game, who the hell is going to show up to that? I hate that. that. And of the, like, seven or eight games I've missed this year, I'd say five of them have been... Those types of games. Wednesday, 1 o'clock. I can't stand that shit. Um, but they won the game, and the talk of the game was Gary. Gary Sanchez. Sanchez hit a home run the first inning. Or no, I don't know if it was the first inning or not, but he hit a home run. Yeah, it was. Hits a three-run shot to center field. Um, and he also had two more singles and a walk. So he was 3 for 3, got on base 4 times altogether. And yeah, he's been very good since his return to the DL. Um altogether he's 6 of 18 333 with a 400 on base. So he's he's looked much better up there. And I go back to what I keep saying where when Gary's locked in like he, you know, I don't want to say he's locked in right now, but when he's when he's right, like he is right now, he's much more balanced up there. You know, his approach is cleaner. It's not as, you know, sloppy where he looks like he's trying to 
tug the ball 600 feet. You know, right now, when he slumps, he's pulling the ball. He's opening up every time he swings. You know, his head's falling all over the place. But if you watch the highlights from today's, from his at-bats today, from his at-bats yesterday, and even, you know, game one versus when he was, uh, when he first returned, I think it was against Toronto. He looks much cleaner up there, much better at the plate. He's taking his walks. You know, he's staying patient on the pitches he's supposed to stay patient on. You know, he's waiting on that changeup like he did today versus Monday. He, he, I don't is woe a word, by the way? I I feel like wait, saying the word waited is not right. <laughs> I've always said, I've always said woe for some reason. But he woke on the changeup. Um... And yeah, he, he took it to center field. You know, it's all about it's also about hitting the ball where it is pitched. You know, when it's stop trying to pull an outside pitch. You know, take the pitch to right field if you need to. Take it to center field when you're trying to wait on it. Pull it if you need to. Don't try to pull everything. Don't make it a forced thing. Let everything fall into place. And that's what he's doing right now. Now who knows how consistent he's gonna keep that. Because again, that's been his problem over the past year. And a half, you know, last year and now this year, his problem has been bringing that consistent plate discipline up there, which is why, which is why I'm not so sure that he'll become that guy he was once touted as and the guy he once displayed to us. Remember when he was like a prospect in their system, everything on Gary Sanchez was about his all around hitting ability, an MVP hitter where he could. And he and he showed us that he showed us that year one and year two, where he was this two eighty average, one thousand OPS kid, you know. Then he had that slump last year, where he was a buck eighty hitter, and you know the last two months, he this year the last couple of months maybe the month, last month and a half, he's been that same type of one a buck eighty hitter. So that's kind of my question is. I'm still trying to figure out who Gary Sanchez really is. Is he that 280, 1000 hitter? Is he the Mendoza hitter? Or is he, you know, somewhere in between? Like a 258, 50 hitter, which I would 100% take at this point. I'll take that from him because he's a catcher. But I do want to see a little more production than what he's been giving us the last year and a half. Production in terms of, you know, getting the average and OBP up taking pitches like I just said I do want to see him get a little more consistent that's the better word for it get a little more consistent up there at the plate power is always going to be a thing with him he's always going to have the power but man that next step the next step is just finding that consistency just maintaining it throughout the year and you know we'll go from there Gary just stay healthy too that's a big thing with him as well he's starting to get the reputation of being an injury prone player so there's a lot of things with him, man. That's why I've always said his ceiling and floor uh, couldn't be any you know further apart. I've said that as well. High ceiling, dirt low floor. So we'll see what happens with him. But it's definitely good to see him better at the plate of late. Now, again, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, got to take Baltimore with a grain of salt, man. They're throwing BP up there. But something. it's something. It's something. Now, I'm hoping we were going to get a little more from Judge, too, because I thought Judge was going to get going after he had that big uh, double in Game 3. But 
Turns out that was his only hit of the series as he comes back out today and strikes out three times in an 0 for 4 effort. Uh, he's just absolutely lost right now. He's slumping, and it reminds me of the slump he had in his rookie year. But at least in his rookie year, he was healthy and productive to his expectations. Well, he didn't have the expectations yet, but you know what I mean. Right now, he's st- like you look at his numbers overall, and they're still productive. But the problem with some people, players have standards now. Okay? And right now, Aaron Judge, while his numbers are fine, you know, the 800-something OPS, sure. The 268 average, sure. The, the, the 390 OBP, sure. But there's a thing. He has the, you know, it's the expectations. That's why some fans are down on him. If everybody was just expected to be good, to be decent, no, that doesn't make you great. It's not greatness. Greatness is meeting your individual expectations. And right now, Aaron Judge isn't doing that. And if you're going to give me the injury excuse, okay, take him off the field then. Is he hurt? Is he not? If he's hurt, then don't play. If he's not hurt, well, guess what? Right now, he's playing, and it's not working. So he's not meeting his expectations. Sure, he's doing productive things out there altogether, but he's not even doing anything productive lately, for one. And just altogether, he's not been Aaron Judge yet. He's not had an Aaron Judge season. You know, the 50-homer, 40-homer guy who goes on those binges. Um, So I think part of it, you know, it's not just to hurt. It's just being, having that different approach up there. I don't know what it is. He does have to get better. We haven't seen many signs. We saw little things like last night where you go, oh, maybe this is it. But that's, that's really all we've gotten from Aaron Judge of late. So... Again, I know that he said he wasn't going to be 100% this year, but okay, then why are you playing? Why are you on the field if you're still hurt? I don't know. Maybe I'm being a jackass, but I'm just trying to say, you know, being good is not enough. Meeting your expectations is, you know, he's got to play to what he is. And so we've got a month and a half left for him to get back in that to, into that form or don't play at all if you're hurt. So I just want to see what happens going forward. I repeated myself there about 15 times. But (laughs) Um, whatever. So that's pretty much all I got, though. Um, Yanks wrap up the series. Another sweep. 17 out of 19 this year against, against Baltimore. And now we're on to the true test. Because the schedule they have coming up for the next... Two weeks or so. Not going to be easy. It's going to be a real test for them. And they haven't had a real test in a while. They've been playing some subpar teams. And some mediocre teams. For the past month I'd say. But we have four coming up. At Yankee Stadium versus Cleveland. Um, I haven't checked but. I think. The last time I checked was. An hour ago and they were. Half a game out of the division. So they're having a really good season. We play four against them at Yankee Stadium. Then we head to Oakland, and that place, oh, that place sucks playing in Oakland. And we got to play them for three. They're having a really good year. Then to cap off the uh, to cap off the road trip, they go and play. The, I don't know if it's capping off the road trip or I'd say to cap off the tough schedule, they play the Dodgers. For three in Los Angeles. Obviously the Dodgers have been. 
right up there with the Yankees this year in terms of just dominating baseball. Having the best record right with us. And a lot of people have been uh, predicting the Yanks and Dodgers to be playing in this year's World Series. How spectacular would that be? That would be one for the ages. But we're not there yet. we got to beat them this month first. And we'll talk about that. But I feel like they haven't played together against each other in a while. So it's going to be fun to see that. And a lot of people have this fallacy about the Dodgers that they're this regular season team just because they've lost the last two World Series they've been in. But let me ask you this. Wouldn't that make every other team besides the champions even worse? Because would you rather lose two years in a row in the World Series? Or would you rather lose two years in a row in the Division Series? Or the Championship Series? You know what I mean? I mean, second place is the same thing. In the end, if you're not first, you're last. That's always my motto, but... Would you, if you're going to pick, wouldn't you rather make it to the World Series? So I, I don't like that fallacy that they're this choke team, because at least they get to the damn thing. Well, the 28 other teams haven't. So that's something you know people need to quit because they're they're legit and they have as good a shot as anyone. But we're still gonna we're gonna focus on Cleveland for now. They're a great, a great damn squad. They had a rough start, a slow start to the year, but it looks like they turned it around. Jose Ramirez has turned it around. I know he's on fire because he was struggling earlier this year, which is probably why they were struggling. But they're hot right now. Yanks are hot right now. So it's going to be an interesting weekend for against them. It's going to be something fun. So we get them Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll definitely be at one of them. Because I haven't, you know, I haven't been to a Cleveland Yankees game since the ALCS in, in uh, for Game Five at Progressive Field. That was the last time I went to a Yankee Indian game. All right, that's all I got. Let's get to the uh, trivia. Nobody answers these anyways because nobody gets this far. But we're gonna do it for fun. Today's or tonight's trivia will be. This will be a question. For uh, you know, somebody who's been around. Uh, who's the first man to play for both the Yankees and the Mets? Who was the first man to play for both the Yankees and the Mets? First person to respond in my inbox on Twitter or on Facebook or on SoundCloud or on WordPress will get a shout out to their page or whatever it is you want me to shout out. Alright, so for the last time... Who is the first man to play for both the Yankees and the Mets? All right, if you can answer that, I'll give you a shout-out. And, yep, that's pretty much all I got tonight, guys. Thank you so much for stopping by. As Once again, I appreciate it. BD4, Episode 18, Rob Carbone, signing off. All right, ciao.
Hey, thanks for stopping by, guys. I appreciate the listen. If you've made it this far, don't forget to check out my blog. It's on Twitter, Facebook, and also on WordPress. And you can find all that right on my SoundCloud page. Capiche? All right.